the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash SGPN and use code SGPN for your first deposit match up to $100. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Game Time has the last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Sunday morning, November 5th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun but short episode. Only one match to talk about because it is final time in the Paris Masters. Championship match time between Djokovic and Dimitrov. So we're going to preview that match for Sunday in a second. However, before we get into any of that, got to do what we always do, which is recap what happened in the last episode, as well as the matches that took place on Saturday in the semifinals. Starting off with the picks, did not go well. Ended up going 0-2 with the lock and dog picks. For the lock, pretty rough beat there for us as we had 60 pots money line and he lost by the smallest margin possible in a final set tie break. And 60 pots did have a couple of breakpoint chances early in that third set. He had four breakpoint chances in the 1-1 game, could not convert and ended up losing once again in a tie break. But Dimitrov was playing well. And then the tiebreak came around, and he kicked it up to another gear because he was up 5 nothing immediately, hit about every passing shot he needed to, had a very nice defensive lob to win a point as well, and Tsitsipas, simply put, had no answers. Dimitrov ended up just getting out to a big lead in the breaker as he won 7-3 in that final set tiebreak. And as for the dog, ended up having Djokovic win in straight sets at plus 120. Didn't get there as he lost the first set 7-5. Then he came back and won in classic Djokovic fashion as he won 7-6, 7-5 in the final two sets. Either way, though, did not work out for us because we had Djokovic in two. He won in three, so ended up going 0-2 on those picks. Looked to bounce back here on Sunday. But to get into the actual match recaps for me, the Sitsipas match was pretty even, and I thought it would be. However, I did think Sitsipas would eventually break through because of his historical dominance in this head-to-head matchup and the fact that I thought that Sitsipas's overall, I'd say, consistency and his topspin would give Dimitrov problems, especially in this tournament, because Sitsipas has been pretty steady throughout the first couple of rounds. Also had a stamina advantage because Dimitrov was constantly going to three sets. Well, Sissipas did win against good competition in straight sets in each round. But simply put, Dimitrov's serving was incredible. And Sissipas' numbers were really not that bad. The issue was you're looking at how good Dimitrov was, especially with his serve. And Sissipas just could not find an opening throughout the entire match. He had one opening in the 1-1 game in the third set, didn't convert. And the sad part about that one game that was the only return game of the entire match where Sitsipas had a break point. Dimitrov held without having to face a break point in every other service game except for that one, which tells you that, that uh, Sitsipas' returning uh, I'd say strategy was not optimal, and that is a criticism that I've had of him in the past. Besides all the unforced errors and the lack of mental toughness, which I have criticized him for in the past, which I'm sure everyone's aware of by now, Sitsipas have always had an issue with as well of not being a great problem solver, and you could argue maybe it's the coaching staff that should be giving him some pointers, like what we see with Alcaraz in his matches, for example, where the coach can go out of his way to lead his player in the right direction. But Sitsipas seems to always be willing to go down with the ship, kind of like a Medvedev in a way, where he's going to decide early on 
on his returning strategy, and that's it. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. Whatever he decides to do early on, he's sticking to it, and he thinks that he's going to be eventually be able to break through. And the issue was Dimitrov was serving too well, and the strategy didn't work. So Dimitrov ended up winning 78% of the first serve points and 78% of the second serve points. Tsitsipas won 73% of the first serve points and 69% of the second serve points. So 73 and 69 are two solid numbers for first serve points one and second serve points one. It's embarrassing to let your opponent, who's not Isner or Prime Sampras, who's an elite server. Dimitrov is an okay serve, but it's not, once again, an all-time great serve. It's embarrassing to let your opponent win 78% of both first serve and second serve points. But let's focus on the second serve for a second, because that's the one that's obviously going to be easier to return because it's going to be a lot slower in terms of pace. Paz kept doing the same thing over and over again, and it felt like he was waiting for Dimitrov's level to drop, and it never did. And I feel like it was once again a poor showing by Paz mentally throughout the match where he was just unwilling to change strategies, trying to switch up returning positions, maybe moving in, maybe stepping back, maybe if you wanted to target the backhand more off the return as opposed to the forehand, try that too. But Tsitsipas really didn't change anything in the entire match, and it's why Dimitrov did not get broken in the entire match. And I just felt like at some point, Tsitsipas should have thrown the kitchen sink in the return games, especially with how easily he was holding in that third set, and at least try to make life difficult, for Dimitrov, make things, I'd say, a little bit unpredictable for him, and it didn't do it. And I feel like that's why I've had issues with Tsitsipas getting over the hump in a couple of tournaments, besides the actual, uh, I'd say, mental uh, toughness or lack thereof in this case. It's mostly because of the fact that he is unwilling to change, and he is very stubborn, and I do think that costed him in this match. Now, I'm going to compare what I just said about Tsitsipas to what I'm about to say, about Djokovic, because Djokovic, on the other hand, is one of the greatest problem solvers of all time. And I feel like people talk about Djokovic's overall tennis skills, and they focus on his forehand, his backhand, his movement, his flexibility. We all know how great he is with his actual physical gifts. However, I do feel like one area that has separated him over the years from the others, including Nadal and Federer, is the ability to problem solve and his ability to win matches that he really, I don't want to say doesn't have any business winning, but the ability to maximize his chances of winning by outsmarting his opponents and by actually trying to problem solve and give unique looks to his opponents to keep them off balance. And we saw that in that three-set match against Rublev on Saturday. Because initially, Djokovic was fine, but got broken at the end of the first set, lost 7-5. Then he eventually was able to win the second set 7-6, and the serve got a lot better over the course of the match. Now, he was battling some back issues, and he got some massages throughout the course of the match, but it looked like Djokovic physically was going to struggle, and he definitely didn't look 100% when he was actually moving around the court. But I did really like how Djokovic was switching up his overall returning positions, switching up his tactics, and I did like the shot variety. He was occasionally drop-shotting, occasionally slicing, and it felt like he was constantly giving Rublev another thing to worry about, and eventually that resulted in Rublev short-circuiting a couple of forehands or backhands for unforced errors, and I do think that's once again why Djokovic is the best player of all time, not just the physical attributes, but also the mental attributes. But I do want to point out, for example, to compare Sitsipas to Djokovic, the returning position, because Djokovic was kind of getting killed early in the match by that kick serve. 
that Rublev had. He was kicking it out wide, and it just felt like Djokovic really didn't have much of an answer to the bomb serve out wide. And yet Djokovic, as the match went on, started cheating a bit to the outside serve, and he had a couple of gorgeous cross-court passes, or cross-court returns, I should say, that turned into winners. And I do think that, once again, Djokovic is willing to fully analyze what his opponents are doing on the fly and adjust his strategies and tactics to what his opponents are doing. It's kind of like making adjustments in a separate sport, basketball, football. You see what your opponent's doing, and you try to counter it. Sissipas doesn't do that. He will just stick in his own plan. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's annoying when you have a shot to win matches like the one on Saturday, and you don't make any changes at all, and you eventually get down with the ship. And Djokovic was willing to at least try something different because that outside serve was killing him early on, and eventually Djokovic actually kind of neutralized it entirely. Rublev started going a lot more up the middle because Djokovic was cheating more to that outside, and he also was hitting some good returns. And it did make a difference in the match because Djokovic was having a very solid returning set in the third set. Now, he could have gotten a break earlier in the set, had a 15-40 spot, didn't get it, but there were a couple of spots, 15-40, love 30, and then eventually got the break at uh, 6-5. But I do think when you're looking at, once again, the attributes mentally that differentiate the likes of a top five, top 10 player like Tsitsipas and the greatest player of all time in Djokovic, the mental aspect is big. And I was really impressed once again by how adaptable Djokovic was to the problem and how he was willing to really just change his entire returning strategy in order to combat Rublev's elite outside serve. And it worked out. So I do think, once again, I want to give flowers to him. And I do want to point out that's still a flaw in Pasta's game that he will not fix with his current coaching staff. It just is what it is. He's been the same guy for this amount of time. If he's going to keep doing this, he's not going to win a Grand Slam. And that's going to be the end of it. But anyway, time to move on to the actual final for the preview. Going to look at the matchup between Djokovic and Dimitrov. No shock at all. You have Djokovic as a pretty decent favorite here at minus 300. Dimitrov is plus 250. As for the game spread, Djokovic is about minus three and a half at even money. Dimitrov plus three and a half is minus 120. Over under in games is 22 and a half. Over is minus 120. The under is even money. And if you want to do take some alternative wagers, you can get 21 and a half games at minus 165 on the over. You can get 23 and a half games on the over at plus 105. Match to go three sets is a plus 130. If you want to take Djokovic to win in straight sets, you can get that at plus 105. Dimitrov to win a set is minus 135. Now, to go through the head-to-head, it is very, very one-sided. In fact, it is as close to being... It's it's as one-sided as it could possibly be, kinda. Because Dimitrov did win one match back in 2013. However, from that point forward, since Roland Garros of 2013, Djokovic has never lost to Dimitrov. To go through the record, he is currently, I believe, 9-0 lifetime since his only loss to Dimitrov, which tells you how just, I'd say how up against it Dimitrov is or how big of a dog he actually is. Now, Dimitrov does have something going for him, which is him being in very good form, arguably the best form he's been in in about six years, give or take, while Djokovic is battling some back issues. But we saw Djokovic battling a leg issue in the Australian Open, and Djokovic still won in straight sets. So you can make an argument that even though Dimitrov has a great chance to pull off a potential upset, 
it does seem like Djokovic will always find a way to problem solve against him. And you're going to see a bit of a struggle for Dimitrov to fully find ways through the Djokovic puzzle. And I think that's going to be a problem as the match moves on. Now, do I think Djokovic is going to roll in this match? No, I think it's going to be a war. I think it probably goes three sets because even though Dimitrov has lost to Djokovic in each of the last nine meetings, decent amount of three sets or four sets in some cases for Grand Slam events. Faced off in Rome earlier this year on clay, that won three. The Australian Open did end up going to three, but Dimitrov did lose the first set on 9-7 in the breaker. So once again, that could have gone either way. Uh, they faced off in Cincinnati in 2018. That did go to three. Faced off in Paris. Faced, so they faced off here in 2016. That ended up going three as well. So the point is, it would not shock me if Dimitrov got off to a pretty fast start and then Djokovic came back like we've seen so far in this event. But Dimitrov, once again, was able to serve the way that he wanted to against Tsitsipas because Tsitsipas didn't make any adjustments. Djokovic will. So I do think Dimitrov will have a harder time of winning free service points because Djokovic will constantly be moving around his positioning, will constantly be forcing Dimitrov to switch it up, and I do think that eventually will come back to bite him because Dimitrov, I think, will struggle if Djokovic is able to impact his serving rhythm. Now, I think once again, it's going to be a competitive match, so I am willing to Dimitrov plus the actual games of three and a half, and I am going to lean to the over in this one, as well as the over two and a half sets. But I do think Djokovic is going to win. I know Dimitrov has been kind of a meme on this show, and because I've criticized him for a long time of not winning an ATP title in about six years. A reminder, Gasquet won a title this year. So I feel like Dimitrov, who is expected to once again be... I don't want to say the next Federer, but people were comping him because of his overall play style early on in his young career and the fact that he was a top five player early on and how his career kind of imploded from that point forward. It would be nice to see him win just to actually break the current streak. Do I think he's going to? No. I think that Dimitrov, from what I've seen in times past, is going to struggle in some big spots. And I think that Djokovic, who we know is one of the most clutch players of all time, will simply put wear down Dimitrov in a couple of long rallies on big points, not even break points necessarily, maybe 30-30s to set up break points. The point is, in big spots, I'm going to trust Djokovic over anybody else to ever play the sport. And Dimitrov has had issues closing out big matches in his career. And I think that Djokovic eventually will find a way to get the job done in a, in a very difficult match, but in a classic Djokovic grinded-out win like we've seen for the last three rounds of this event. But that's going to wrap it up for my actual preview for the final. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Before we get into any of that, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Prize Picks. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. League created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can group together LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made and receptions. Plus, Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even. If one of your players gets injured, which is a very cool feature for football and basketball games, if you have a player in your entry who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash SGPN and use code SGPN for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash SGPN code SGPN. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sport events in person. It used to be very difficult to actually find a ticketing platform that I could trust, but that changed when I found Game Time because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And I do personally love one feature on the app in particular, which is the images of seat use feature. Now, I'm sure we've all had a moment where we have bought some tickets in the past. We thought it would be a very fun experience. We get to our seats, we sit down, and the next thing you know, there is something blocking my line of vision. I'm sure we've all had that happen before, and you went from having a great time to immediately realizing you wasted money because you can't see anything that you actually paid to see. That will not happen because of this feature on the apps. I recommend using, once again, the Game Time app. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals as well. Forget plenty months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Same tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger, betting smarter. This NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the final between Dimitrov and Djokovic in the Paris Masters. Now it's time for the actual lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to a team total. I am going to go with Djokovic team total over 12 and a half games, a minus 135 on DraftKings. Simply put, this line just feels a bit too short. I do believe when you're looking at the projected outcome for this match, Djokovic winning, probably competitive because Djokovic has been involved in three straight marathon matches. In fact, there's been a tiebreaker in each of those last three matches, because the second set against Spore was a tiebreak. Second set against Rune was a tiebreak as well. First set was 7-5, by the way, and all three sets against Rublev had at least 12 games. So we have seen a lot of 7-5 or 7-6 sets with Djokovic involved. So I do think you're looking at a spot where Djokovic should be in a spot to potentially win a set 7-5 or 7-6. And if that's the case, you're cruising for this actual prop. But I think you're looking at, once again, a couple ways to get there because Djokovic can, in theory, lose a set, win the match, and still get it done. But I do think 12.5 at minus 135 feels a little bit short for this spot. I think it should be closer to minus 150, and I do think there is some value on it because of it. So for me, I am going to go with the over 12.5 on the team total for Djokovic as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go to a similar a play slightly different, but it's going to follow the same script. I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 130. Simply put, Dimitrov, even though he has not won many matches against Djokovic, once again, one and 11 lifetime, he has won sets. The issue is he can't win multiple sets, but I think he'll be able to do enough to get the job done to, uh, to at least force a third set in the spot. So to go through the last couple of matches, 
Faced off in Rome earlier this year on clay, Djokovic won in three. Faced off in the Australian Open, Djokovic did win in straight sets, but the first set was a tiebreak, and Dimitrov had a couple of chances to actually win that set and did not convert as Djokovic won that tiebreak 9-7. Faced off in the Paris Masters this exact tournament in 2019, and Djokovic won 7-6-6-4. Faced off in Cincinnati, that went three sets, Djokovic won. You get my point. But they have faced off in the past two separate times in this exact event, and Djokovic did win in both of them, but he ended up getting to at least 13 games, and you saw what was a very competitive pair of matches. Now, unfortunately, in the 2019 one, Djokovic did not drop a set. He won in straight sets. However, Djokovic, with the back injury that he's dealing with, and the fact that Dimitrov has been playing his best tennis in a couple of years, I do think Dimitrov is very capable of winning at least one set in this match. I'm not picking him to win against Djokovic 2-0. I think Djokovic eventually will break through at some point. And we've seen Dimitrov be involved in a bunch of marathon matches as well. So Djokovic has gone to three sets in each of the last three. But you're looking at Dimitrov, and he's gone to three sets in five of his last six. So both players have been involved in a lot of three-set matches, and I think this is a good script to have another one. Give me the value at plus 130. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Djokovic team total over 12.5 games at minus 135, and my dog will be on Djokovic and Dimitrov over 2.5 sets at plus 130. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me again on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of podcasts at the network, the NBA show, the NFL show. You get the point. Until then, I do want to remind all of you of the actual schedule for the upcoming week. In case you didn't notice, the season's almost over. It's in the beginning stages of November, and you have two you have two uh, ATP tournaments taking place next week, one in Metz in France, the other in Sofia in Bulgaria. So we're going to preview those two, one, uh, the, those two 250s uh, at some point, probably Sunday night or uh, early Monday morning, so keep your eyes out for that. But after that, we have the ATP Finals in Turin. Then we have the next-gen finals about a week and a half later. I don't know why the next-gen finals are a week and a half after the ATP finals, but whatever. It is what it is. So this will be the final pair of normal tournaments next week before we get into the finals in the ATP and the finals in the next-gen ATP. So keep an eye out for that. But until then, until the next episode, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.